Hey folks, Russ Bailey here. It's time for another weekly podcast for Brush Pile Fishing right here on iHeartRadio. And uh, I've got a great guest, as we always do. Uh, this guy you know uh, as the crankbait man, my good buddy Kent Driscoll, but we're gonna talk a little bit different technique and some winter fishing in his neck of the woods. So stay tuned, we'll be right back with Brush Pile Fishing. Hey folks, welcome back to Brush Pile Fishing, the podcast right here on iHeartRadio. And with us live right now is Mr. Kent Driscoll. Kent, how we doing? Hey Russ, man, great to be here. I'll tell you what, it seems like anytime that you and I get together, we're either at the Grizzly Show or we're in the middle of summer pulling crankbaits, but uh, we're gonna talk about something a little bit different you like to do. That's right, Russ. Um, I'll tell you, man, the, uh, the winter fishing down around Nashville at Percy Priest has been just unbelievable this year. Okay. And uh, you know, it's it's been a pretty mild winter, had been that cold, hadn't had any ice or snow or anything. And you know, normally I'm doing a lot of duck hunting this time of year. Right. But uh, you know, the weekends where it's been warm, I've been going fishing. And I've got onto a pattern on Priest where I'm fishing boat docks. Okay. okay? And there's- But you're not shooting. I'm not shooting them. Okay. I'm fishing the boat docks with a slip float. Really? And you talk about fun. We did a little bit of that. If we you did. remember back in May, June, yep. when you came down and we did that post-spawn trip on Priest. So um, I'm kind of taking it to a different level because I'm fishing deep. And uh, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking my live scope and I'm trolling up and down these boat docks looking underneath them. Okay. And I'm not fishing them unless I see the fish on the live scope. Gotcha. And once I see the fish, um, I'm kind of pulling my range in on my live scope. I'm usually looking about 40 to 50 feet when I'm looking under the docks, but once I see them, okay, and normally it's a big school, anywhere from two to 500 fish. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but once I see them, I'll pull into that dock and I'll zoom in 30 feet, you okay. know, 25 feet, you know, so I can get a little bit better image or picture of the fish. And I can tell how big they are. I can tell if they're crappie or not. And I can tell exactly what depth they are. Okay, let me let me pause you there, Kent. So you were talking about these are deep water docks. Now in my home lake, deep water is probably six foot. What kind of depth are we talking here? Man, I'm looking at docks. Um, I usually start out in the deep water. I start at 40 feet, and I'm going Jeez. all the way into like 22 to 23. So those docks are over that that deep of water. They are. They're in really deep water. Um, and and I got to tell you, the fish are not on the same dock every day. It's different every day. And I think a lot of it's got to do with the conditions, whether it's um, overcast or if it's sunny or how hard the wind's blowing or maybe even the pressure outside, you know, like the post cold front or something like that. So the fish move around a good bit. And, uh, but I tell you, once I find them with that live scope, man, I can really get on them. And okay, and, and we're talking about, you were talking about when you go by those docks, um, you know, you've got your, your uh, distance set at a certain level, but then as you get closer, you see fish, you're adjusting. That's one thing with a live scope for the people who don't have it yet. You can constantly adjust things to get it closer, to get it more clear. And it's an easy thing to do with that unit. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it cuts down on the amount of time it takes me to find the fish. But if you don't have live scope, you can still use your side imaging. You can still use your 2D sonar. You can see those fish. Okay. And these are big schools of fish. 
And basically what I do once I find them is I try to fish on the outside edge of them first and above them first. Okay. okay? And I'll catch several. And as I catch them, they get a little bit more educated. Gotcha. Okay? So then I'll set my depth a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper as okay. I catch more and more fish. But my rig is real traditional. I'm, I'm using just a, I've got a little micro bobber stopper I'm using, a bead, a balsa slip float. Okay. okay? Um, and uh, like a Carlisle type slip float, just a little pin slip float. And the thing that I'm doing a little bit different is, is I'm putting a barrel swivel on in my weight just above it. I'm using a quarter ounce weight. Okay. So it'll slide. So my weight slides up and down my line. You follow me? Okay. okay. And then I'll go down below that swivel with about a 12 inch clear leader. So I'm using green line on my main line. And then okay? a clear. And then a clear leader. And the reason I like the, um, the slide weight is in the winter, these fish are real finicky. They don't want to move much. They don't want to chase anything. They're kind of lazy. It's cold. Okay. Okay. And um, that slip float keeps your bait in the strike zone longer. Absolutely. And that live minnow will just literally sit there right in front of their face and aggravate them. And a lot of times, and you and I did this when we fished last time, I'll just barely move that float. Not, I'm not shaking it, I'm not jigging it, I'll pull it. Just I remember a, that. I'll I pull remember it just that. a hair, just a slow pull, just maybe two or three inches, just inch it towards me. And a lot of times that fish will react to that. He thinks the minnow's getting away from him. He's like, hey, I'm kind of cold down here, but I'm hungry. <laughs> and man, they hit it. And the neat thing about using a slip float is these fish, there's a lot of times that they'll bite it, they'll swim up to it and bite it. And the bite is so light that the cork never goes underwater but you'll see it move. That cork might lay on its side a little bit. Okay. All right. Or know you'll how see, that is. Yep. And you'll see, or you'll see that high-vis line move. That cork might just move, not go under, but just literally move about two or three inches to one direction or side. Set that hook. Set the hook. Set the hook. And, and I tell you, um, most people never think about fishing that deep with a slip float. And I got the... Probably my best range this summer has been about 25, 25 foot of water fishing 22 feet deep. Okay. And let me tell you how I do that. So I'm using an 11 foot um, B&M Duck Commander jig pole. It's 11 feet long. Okay. okay. Nice limber rod. Yep. And it's got a lot of backbone. Okay. okay. And I'm underhand pitching it, so I'm not really casting it. It's more like I'm flipping. It's almost like I'm flipping for bass. <clears throat> and um, what happens is I'll take that slip float and take the bobber stopper that's above it and I'll pull it all the way down to the reel. Okay. Okay. And my reel is at 10 feet. So if you think about it, I'll pull my line out the length of the rod and then pull that bobber stopper to 10 feet just above the reel. That's 21 feet. Yep. That's setting the bobber stopper at 21. Yep. Okay. And I'm using this little bitty plastic micro bobber uh, stopper, micro stopper, and I can reel it up inside my reel. So if I want to fish 25 feet deep, I'll just pull out a little bit more line, but I measure my line on my pole. Gotcha. Now, something else I do, and you've seen me do this, is I take a Sharpie on my pole. Yes, sir. And I'll mark from the tip all the way down in one foot increments. I'll put depth rings on my pole. Gotcha. And I'll write seven foot, eight foot, nine foot. So if I want to fish, say 18 feet, I pull the bobber stopper inside the pole to the nine foot mark. You double it and you're fishing 18. Ready to go. So it's not as difficult as a lot of people, you know, might think. They're like, you're fishing 20 foot of water with a slip float? I'm like, yeah. The key is I'm keeping the bait in the strike zone longer. The whole time. Versus jigging it or shooting it, you know, traditional right. box shooting, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm fishing deep, man. And uh, I tell you, you can flat out 
man, you can flat out rake them. And the same thing works. It's, it works the same way fishing like a brush pile out in deep water. Sure. You can get over a brush pile, see the fish, see the depth, get that slip float, and you know how clear the water is on priest. I mean, we got two or three foot of visibility. And if you get up too close to them, you can see them. They'll, they'll move on you. They'll actually move down to the bottom or swim away from the boat. So they're scared of the boat. And I stay back from them about 15 or 20 feet. I pitch out to them, let my bait go down, watch my bobber. Live minnows, I'm using a number, you know, typically a number one light wire hook. I'm taking a live minnow, I'm either hooking him through the lips, okay. and if they're if they're in a bad mood and they're kind of light striking me and like getting my bait, I'll hook them through the eyes occasionally. Okay. So it's kind of personal, you know, choice or preference right there. You can hook them in the back too if you wanted to. But, uh, you know, most of the time I'm fishing above them, so I just hook them through the lips, flip it out there, let it sit. Talking Percy Priest winter fishing with Kent Driscoll here today, folks. And uh, Kent, so we've covered some equipment. Uh, we've covered the setup you use. We're talking about this being a mi uh, middle of February pattern. It's been a weird winter everywhere. I mean, the yeah. temperature got cold for a couple days and it's warm for two, then it dropped. Right. What kind of water temperatures do you average this time of year there at Percy? It should be in the upper 40s, like okay. 48, 49. And um, I've seen it fluctuate this year. There was a couple days I was out there, it was like 52 and 53. Gotcha. And on those days, I fished shallower, I can tell you that. Okay, yeah. okay. The fish moved up on me. In fact, I had one day out there, um, and it was it was a warm day. I think it was like 65, unseasonably warm. And I was scanning a dock, and I went by, and I saw a ball of fish underneath the dock at 10 feet and 40 foot of water. And come to find out, there was a chain that had a piece of brush tied off to it at 10 foot. And my partner and I slipped underneath that boat dock and pitched those corks under there. Tore them up. And we tore, tore them up. up and, and we caught some big ones, too. It was fun, man. It was fun. I think we caught, I think we caught 12 keepers off that chain. Yeah. There you hear it, folks. Percy Priest. Kent, if someone uh, doesn't live that far away, they want to plan a trip and they want some up-to-date conditions, can they contact you on Facebook? Yeah, look me up on Facebook. Send me, you know, a private message. Um, I got a bunch of guys that, that kind of follow me on social media. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be, I'm glad to, you know, send them some tips and, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, recommendations on where to fish and how to fish and different things. So I'll be glad to do that. There you go, folks. Ken Driscoll with the up-to-date minutes for you. Uh, just look him up on Facebook. If you want more information about that rod he's talking about, just go to bnmpoles.com. They've got everything. And I might throw in there the Russ Bailey Signature Series always has those uh, one-foot increments marked in yes, bright orange. Yes, it does. Orange. Yes, it does. <laughs> and it happens to, I think it matches your jersey, if I, I hear you. I so, hear you. Uh, yeah, we had a little fun with uh, on that trip, didn't we? Yes, sir. Well, sure you know did. what, Ken? It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's even more of a pleasure when we get a fish together. We've done some great shows and uh, hope to have many more in the future with you, buddy. Man, I look forward to it. Kent Driscoll, folks, right here on Brush Pile Fishing, uh, the podcast on iHeartRadio. And now, folks, we're going to switch gears a little bit like we always do. We're going to talk a little tournament action. Tournament action. All right, let's go. And Kent, think. Speaking of that, uh, what's your tournament schedule looking like this year? Uh, gonna fish ACTs again this year. Okay. Um, we're starting out in March. We've got the championship at Sardis. Okay. So that'll be fun. Um, that'll be a three-day tournament, and it's an elimination tournament. Gotcha. Which adds, a, you know, kind of a new variable to it. I think we cut down on the first day to 50 and then to 25. Puts on the final a, little, day. a lot more stress on it. Yeah, there. it puts some pressure on us. We, uh, I think last year on first on the first day, we, we came in about 30, 30th or something like that. Um, the second day we moved up to 23rd, and then on the final day I think we moved from 23rd to 10th. Wow. So we, yeah, in traditional Driscoll and Harrison fashion, we started off a little slow, 
and then we just came on like a you know like like a, like a hurricane. Uh, after that, I believe we've got April is at Gunnersville, um, May is at Grenada, June is at Kentucky Lake, and then I think we take off and go to the Washita River, I believe. Okay. Um, I think it's in August, and then I think we jump into uh, fall at um, Ross Barnett in October. Well, you know, Kent, uh, I consider you a good friend, and anytime I get the chance, I, I say a prayer for you that you can find a better partner, but it sounds <laughs> to me like you're still stuck with John Harrison another well, year. you know what? He would say the same about me. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? We've been together a long time, and we're just... It, tournament fishermen all know it takes us you got to have a special relationship with your partner to get along in the boat and all the different ups and downs of tournament fishing and having fun and, and John and I've been together for 15 years and you know we just we have a good time when we go he, you know fishing's just a bonus for us and, and and that kind of thing we just we enjoy being out there we love to fish uh, funny story both our grandmothers are the ones that got us started fishing yep and, uh, you know, John's grandmother got him started at a young age, and my grandmother did the same thing for me. And, you know, it's just kind of cool. We, there's a lot of times we sit around and talk about old times, you know, and, uh, and how we were brought up fishing and, you know, how it's kind of sculpted us as people. Sure. And, and, you know, and I just, John's the same way. He guides. I, I don't guide anymore. He's retired now. But, uh, you know, we, we still want to pay it forward. Um, we want to bring new people into fishing. Um, we love to take kids. We love to take veterans. Um, you know, we like to take first-timers and, and teach them, you know, yes, sir. the fun of fishing. And, uh, you know, I've got a daughter. She's in high school. I'll, I really enjoy taking her. She's got a busy schedule. But, man, there's nothing better than taking her and a couple of friends and just listening to them laugh and giggle and come I hear up you. and not be too serious. I you hear know, you. just have fun. And, uh, you know, the other bonus, too, is the crappie are so good to eat. And, uh, you know, I like to keep a few. And, I like to put them back too, you know, yep. um, kind of, you know, keep that conservation you know, side of things, you know, at, at the top of our mind, but uh, they make great table fare. I hear you, brother. And, uh, you know, it's, there's nothing better than a good old fried crappie for lunch or dinner or whatever it might be. So yeah. I hear you. Ken Driscoll, and he started talking about the, about the ACT, so let's go there on our uh, tournament update. Uh, their next tournaments will be February 28th and 29th on Darbone. That's the championship for this year. Um, March 13th and 14th, they'll be at Grenada Lake. The Magnolia Crappie Club, one of the nation's oldest, started in 1992. They've got uh, tournaments March 7th on Grenada and April 4th on Ross Barnett. The Okeechobee Crappie Series, their next tournament will be March 7th. Uh, and the first one was, I'm sorry, it was Crappie Masters on February 20th, 29th. The ACT, the American Crappie Trail, will be March 26th and 28th. Uh, on, that is their championship. That's the championship, that's And that's correct. the three-day elimination pressure packed. Yeah, I wish you the best on that one. Absolutely. Thank and then you. their first 2020 tournament will be April 24th and 25th on Gunnersville. The Kentucky Crappie Tournament Trail, February 22nd on the Barron River, the 29th on Taylorsville, and February 29th on Cumberland also. The Twin Lakes Crappie Club, March 7th on Barkley, and April 11th you can fish anywhere. And last but not least, Crappie USA on February 22nd will be at Lake Wiley, North Carolina, February 28th at Marion and Moultrie. So, folks, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I sure have. Like I said, it's always fun talking to Kent. Um, folks, one reminder, if you like the things that we use on our television show, go to our website, brushpilefishing.com. All the items we have on the show, you can get right there. B&M rods, a bonehead tackle, crappie magnet, everything is right there. Order it straight from us. And uh, again, Kent, thanks for joining us today.
My pleasure, Russ. I always enjoy speaking with you guys. Folks, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast here on iHeartRadio. Stay tuned because next week we'll be back with another great guest right here on iHeartRadio. For more brush pile fishing excitement, find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.